This is Kayak Fishing Radio, and it's time for Yak Fish in Texas with your hosts, Jaron Wassel and Andrew Moxagimba. Join the conversation at kayakfishingradio.com or call the guys up at 714-816-4727. Now, it's time for Yak Fishing Texas. Here are your hosts, Jaron and Andrew. to another edition of Yak Fishing Texas. I am your host, Jaron Wassel, and tonight we got to change it up a little bit. Uh, my co-host, Andrew, he is indisposed for the evening, so I'm going to be joined by Ryan McDermott. Uh, he was on our show a couple of weeks ago. He is a member of the Native Pro staff, so uh, go ahead and say hey, Ryan. Howdy. How things have been going? It's, it's going pretty, pretty, pretty good. Uh, is, this, is this like one of the uh, regular radio stations where you have like a dump button? Because I got by the by the skin of my teeth last week without or the other week without saying anything for uh, only had to be here 15 minutes. The whole hour, I can only imagine how I'm going to slip up. Hey man, it's uh, it's all right. We got training wheels. It's no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> There's a nice little X right next to your name, so if something goes awry, we'll get rid of it really quick. There you go. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, man. So we've got a pretty good show tonight. Got a got an original member of the Wilderness Systems Pro staff here in Texas coming on later, uh, Dean Thomas. Uh, he's also the owner curator of Slow Ride Guide Service down in Port Aransas. So kind of get a nice little feel of some saltwater fishing, see how things are going down in the, the Port Aransas area. And now I know you, Ryan, you've been looking forward to getting some saltwater fishing in. So this is going to be prime time for you to learn a little bit from the master. That's what I'm hoping, yeah. I mean, I kind of, every year I try to set some fishing goals for myself, and, and, and historically those have been bass fishing related, but this year uh, my goal is to diversify a little bit and maybe get a little bit salty, whether it's inshore or in some of that blue water with you guys. So it should be a good opportunity to learn something. Yeah, he, Dean's, Dean's always doing stuff. I love watching him on Facebook. He's He's gotten into the, the GoPro scene, so he's gotten some good videos that come out. He put together a really nice compilation video a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I saw, like, he's taking underwater shots, reds hiding in grass uh, grass pockets and all sorts of stuff. So, you know, he, and he's, he's a that out. pretty good photographer on the side. I like his shots, too. I mean, he's always posting stuff up, especially him and George. So, yeah, it's, yeah it'll check be that fun out. to talk to him later on. Yeah, you know, definitely on his or you know, on Facebook, friend him. He's got some good content over there. Excellent. So, but you know, just kind of a so, you know, me and you we did some fishing this last weekend. That was kind of fun. Never been to Ladybird Lake before. I had to admit, man, that was probably one of my favorite paddles I've had in a long time. It wasn't even that long, but just the scenery. I couldn't tell you had never been there before by the quality of fish you guys were boating. <laughs> hey, man, I just. I just doing exactly what I was told to do, and you know, you put us on them. That was that was no joke. I mean, I, I was the, the 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 spot we were on is. I mean, like I told you, it's one of my favorite spots on the lake, and and there's a tournament fixing to come up out there, so I don't I don't want to give away a ton. So if you give it away, it's fine. I didn't say nothing, but uh, <laughs> that's that's a good spot, and that's a good pattern that's been producing quality fish uh, like the one you caught uh, for for at least several weeks now. So I had a feeling we'd find at least something there, and it turned out pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty. I was pretty jacked on that, man. And I was really, I was really excited that Lauren snagged one right off the bat because that, that's really her first kayak caught fish since when we were in Baja with Jim. So that really, that really said a lot right there. So, you know, it's always fun watching her reel it in, too, because she gets all excited, you know, Grab the fish, I and mean, she does everything all by herself. Grab the fish, pull it in, unhook. It was. It's always nice watching her do all that. 
it's nice when that happens, and that's, that's actually another one of my goals this year. It's actually not a goal for me so much as it's a, it's a goal for my wife and my son is to get them put them on some quality fish. So they don't get to go as much as I do, and when I, it seems like every time I take them out, it's a slow day. So hopefully we can kind of put the, the good day and the, and the family trip together one of these days this year and, and put them on some quality fish as well. Yeah, it almost <laughs> seems like whenever Lauren and I get out, it's, it's the worst weather possible. It's either too windy or something's not going right. I mean, we've even gone out and gone fished, and then we got back to the campsite and then had to spend the night in the car due to a storm. I mean, it's, there's always something <laughs> that goes along whenever we go out. So seeing her catch that one and then, you know, went for a while, and then we found the pattern later on, and I tied that I tied that crankbait on the very first cast. Boom, she nails that big one. It was pretty exciting to see that. I gotta admit, it's it's amazing how important just a couple of extra feet of depth, getting that bait in the strike zone, can can really make a difference, especially when you're working specific types of structure like the way we were working the rocks there. If that bait's really not getting into the rocks, it's just gonna it's gonna diminish your your chances of a quality bite. So I had a feeling when you put something on a little bit deeper uh, that would get down to those rocks that it would it would click for, and it sure enough did. Yeah, I'm gonna have to get a couple of, of bass rigs for her set up because those were those were salt uh, salt combinations that I had there. I mean, that's a four thousand class sustain on a seven and a half foot uh, <laughs> medium action rod for reds. I mean, it's it, it had nothing it had nothing even to do with bass fishing. So yeah, I have to I have to revamp my my arsenal now that I know what the hell to do. Oh yeah, and there's plenty of good so. quality stuff that she can get for not a lot of money too. And if she likes the spinning reels, uh, uh, like I know the the Fluger Patriarch spinning reels, bang for buck for me, have been really good reels. So that's one you might check out because they're not too expensive. That's good to know, man. I I always I was kind of looking at that. I saw them. They had some of those carrot sticks on clearance at Walmart. So I was I was tossing around the idea of a carrot stick matched up with maybe like a 2000 class Sonora or something like that. So, well, you'll have to you'll have to tell me what Walmart that is later, so I can go over there and see if they got any left. <laughs> Man, it, it's crazy. They've always got some really good stuff, like tucked away. You know, the Walmart by our house. You'll go in there and you'll look in there, and they've got some Skeet Reef Edition rods that are like on clearance. So, you know, you can always find some some decent stuff. And I don't know who does the buy-in for Walmart, but they need to keep doing that and putting those on clearance as soon as possible because <laughs> I'm just I'm, I'm just going to stock up, man. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times, uh, I didn't do it so much the other day when we were fishing, but, you know, the, in the right conditions, I'll throw a lot of Senko, and, and uh, man, if you pay for those Yamamoto Senkos, it's like $6 a bag, and a lot of times you can go to Walmart and score some of the, the, the Strike King versions or, you know, one of the other versions for, you know, 2 bucks a bag, and it's, it's, uh, it's a good way to go. And actually, a lot of the crawls that I fish with, I get there on clearance as well. So, so there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to the baits they put on clearance, but I like it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the bag of Cinco's I've been working on is just a bag of the Bass Pro Shop brand ones with, you know, just watermelon red flake. And, and they, for the same price as the Yamamoto baits, I can go and I can buy that bag of Bass Pro Shop baits for, I, I think it's like double the amount of baits versus what you get on the Gary stuff. So it's... Yeah, I mean, when the one thing I have noticed about the Yamamoto baits is that I think they have more salt in them. And so I think yeah. it gets them down there a little bit quicker, maybe gives them a little bit better action, but most of the time the fish aren't that picky about them from my experience. Nah, not at all. I mean, unless you're, unless you're, you know, they're really tuned into that kind of action that day. I mean, I've never had issues catching fish with the one from Bass Pro Shop. I mean, it's just, you know, like when we were out there fishing, I, I was just using cranks from uh, the Academy brand, the H2O mm-hmm. brand crankbait. There was nothing wrong with that. I mean, I thought highly about swapping out the hooks before the trip because I was a little skeptical, you know, maybe their hook points weren't going to be as good or maybe I'd break off the, a shank of a hook. But, nah, man, it, it held solid the entire night. So kudos to them on that. I noticed on the packaging they've gone to VMC hooks, so it's not, it's not junk. Yeah, I mean they've they've improved those baits some, and I mean the another nine pounder I caught out there was on a an old H two O rattle trap that that uh, I've had for years, and I've I've actually caught a lot of quality fish on it on the same set of hooks, and I don't even think I've had a really a bend out on them, so it's it's held up pretty well. Yeah, that, that was I was shocked 
so I'll have to stock up on a couple of them. They're relatively inexpensive, so and they were and they got mm-hmm. really good coloration on them. I mean, the sexy shad. Actually, the one I was using was a natural shad color. But I'll tell you what was really interesting about that night is, you know, a foot, a foot was like a matter of catching a fish or not out there. I mean, if you hit right on the spot, really, and you crank or you clank rocks, that made a difference. And then if you cast it a foot to the right or the left and you just bring back nothing but grass, you know, you didn't even get mm-hmm. that that was the shocking part right there. So that that was that I learned a lot right there too. Because that was one of my first times really ever cranking. So Yeah, I mean and at night you wanna I mean, it kind of—it all depends, you know. They have the silent crankbaits, and they have crankbaits with rattles in them. And and I found that at night, typically, I don't need it to be silent. I want it making noise because I mean, I don't think those fish see nearly as good at night. They're probably using more lateral line and and keying on that vibration and that noise uh, to get them, you know, to the bait. So so having that 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 extra noise, whether it's a rattle or smacking the bait into the rocks, I think really helps at night. Yeah, that, that's no doubt. I, that that was on full display, but. What was real nice, though, also about that night, I got a lot of seat time and a new boat to me, uh, that Slayer 13 Propel. I was thoroughly impressed. That is a fine, fine piece of watercraft, man. I've really enjoyed mine. I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, obviously that's uh, the the new hot boat from Natives, so it's uh, it's it's getting uh, it's it's pretty popular right now. But you know, I found it's kind of a you know it's a, it's an improvement over their their other pedal drive boats. Not that there's anything wrong with those boats, but it, you know they're they're definitely moving forward and and focusing on making better boats. And and that one's got a lot of cool features. I know I like the uh, the forward facing rod holder on it. Um, is really nice for yeah. rigging in landing fish. So it uh it's pretty helpful there. It's it's funny because I had never had that before. I know you said you had it on some of your ocean boats, but uh I'd never had that before. So it took me about three trips before I really got accustomed to using it. I kept found that I, finding that I was sitting my rod in my lap still and trying to do things. But you know once I got accustomed to putting it in that little rod holder, it was uh it was it was real nice. So uh, obviously it's a paddle boat. Uh, it's it's gonna you know paddle similar to a Mariner, but um it's it's a little bit faster. Um, the steering's a little bit better because it's got the you know the bigger rudder, but yeah, it's it's a nice boat overall. Oh yeah, I, that forward facing rod holder is, is huge, especially on my ultra because you know I I get a fish up boat side. The worst thing a guy's got to do is take the rod, reach behind him, and put it in a rod holder, or worse, he just lays it in front of him and takes the gamble of that falling in the water, and you know you're losing your rod and reel. You know, being able yeah. to keep it right there, work the fish you know, retie a lure, anything, and keep it right there in front of you, that's that's a huge bonus to the angler. So, and I, I really like just, you know, this is my first time really, you know, my boat doesn't have tracks. It, it's not designed that way. I don't have any of the gear tracks or anything like that. So all that pre-installed stuff, throwing a screwball on there or, you know, throwing on the, uh, you know, the RAM version of the Zuka tube on the left side with it's got a post mount with a quick, mm-hmm. uh, quick release. That was really simple and very easy to customize right there on the water. And I even threw a, I even threw a track on the, the rot or the pod on top of the Ultra for Lauren to use, and uh, you know, we kind of out, outfitted her boat real quick that way. It was pretty cool, man. I, the, I'll tell you what, when we were cranking, I never thought that little of a bait with that much resistance could actually force my boat to go towards it when you're reeling it in. Oh, yeah, it'll, that, it'll, it'll drag you around. Yeah, that's that's exactly what that reverse drive or the reverse feature on that drive came in handy. It was it was nice just to be able to sit there and hold position and just fine tune the rudder through the entire retrieve. It was cool. I've never done it before because I've always just been in a Hobie where you go forward and have to turn around and come back. Not nothing against Hobies at all. They're great fishing platforms, but just that added reverse feature was was clutch, man. Really, really clutch. Yeah, it's uh, it's great for that. And, and the more you fish cranks, you can kind of. I found that when I'm throwing the crank out, I can kind of position myself and can kind of position my rod tip in such a way that it is pulling me, but it's it's going to pull me in, in a direction more that's kind of beneficial to what I'm doing. Um, as you as you fish the cranks more, you can kind of learn how to do that. But yeah, the, the drive definitely helps. Not just there, but and it wasn't real windy the other night until that front rolled in a little bit later, and we weren't really fishing that spot anymore. But uh, when the wind is, is is rolling in, I mean, I can't tell you the last time I put an anchor in my boat. 
um, just because that drive really allows you to hold the spot. And, and in general, I don't like to anchor. I know there's, there's, a, tr- there's a, 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 a thought out there that maybe the anchor scares the fish, or, and I don't know if I buy that or not, and it might a little bit, but I just find that I'm generally more productive when I am moving around even a little bit so, but I can still use that drive to keep me in place, you know, where I'm currently fishing, and then I can the the, the act of dropping the anchor and pulling up the anchor. I'm not wasting time doing that. I'm, you know, once I'm done with one spot, I can hit another spot real quick, and and I, I find I have a lot more success that way. That'd be real nice, even out in the bay, you know, even like uh, if you're chasing down birds, and you know they're they're moving all over the place, and you know you can go catch up with them, but say they start holding up stationary, you can just absolutely stop by going in reverse, hold your place right by those, you know, those diving birds, or you can hold yourself on a windy mid-bay reef or something like that, and, you know, that's, that, I don't know, there's a lot of functionality to that drive that I'm going to explore this this summer for sure. Yeah, hopefully me as well when it comes to that salt water. I'll be interested to see how it does. <laughs> We're going to go, man, I promise you. We're going to go. Who knows? <laughs> You know, I, there's a there's a guy in the chat room right now, uh, George. Uh, he's I met him last time. I I met him on Texas Kayak Fishman a long time ago, but I finally got to meet him face to face at the San Antonio Boat Show last year. And man, he they're always on fish down there. And he invited me to come down and uh, try to Port Aransas. And I didn't get a chance to take him up on it last summer. But I I promise you, George, I am coming to Port Aransas this summer. I got to get on some fish with you guys. I got to. Ryan, you probably have to tag along on that venture, man. Yeah, I'm going to get down there. I'd like to get down there several times. I mean, I've been down there, um, you know, over the years. Typically, we're down at the coast one week um, out of every summer uh, fishing with my family, and, and but we're on power boats, and so the kayak I haven't done a whole lot of. So I'm sure it's a different uh, a different way of doing things when you're fishing from a kayak as opposed to a power boat in the salt water. I can't wait to ask Dean about some of that stuff. Oh yeah, man! It, those guys have got that down there to a science. It's it's pretty cool. I mean, it's 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 different for me going down and fishing that water because it's it's. I know you focus on like potholes and you know the grass is a little bit different. You know, you got to use a little bit different baits. You know, line can be important as well because braid necessarily isn't gonna isn't always gonna be the most effective means. You know, got to use a leader or something like that because where I'm from, up on the upper coast. That's just muddy backwash water, and you really could throw whatever you want. Now, wintertime, you may change a little bit on water clarity, but most of the time, it's 30-pound braid loaded up on my reels, and we're going at it. And you gotta, you got to have that resistance or that uh, abrasion resistance from the shell. Down there, it's a lot of grass. I mean, they've got shell, too, but I've noticed a lot of those guys, they don't have to worry about using braid as much, and that's fine with me because that's cheaper. <laughs> I ain't got to yeah. worry about loading up an entire reel with braid. Typically, what we've done at the coast, and again, this is just I'm kind of following what my dad does down there. But we're running braid with with a, a heavier fluorocarbon leader. But my thought process for for bass fishing, um, and it's a rule that I don't always necessarily follow myself. But I think if you're using one type of line, you're probably doing it wrong. I mean, I think depending on the type of bait you're throwing and the kind of water conditions you're fishing, the uh, you know I like braid on my Texas rig stuff. Um, you know, uh, any kind of crawl or worm or anything like that, kind of dragging on the bottom, uh, maybe a jig. Uh, if you're throwing frog, obviously braid is good in all those scenarios. It's sensitive. It's tough. You can, uh, you know, you can just lock the drag down and get that fish in as quickly as possible. Not something you can always do at the coast with braid, but in the, in the fresh water, you can do that here. Um, you know, when I'm throwing my crankbaits and stuff like that, especially on these clear water legs, I really, really like fluorocarbon, um, and I almost exclusively throw. Um, 15 pound uh, Seaguar and Bizex for that. I just I haven't found anything that can beat us that price range. Um, and then when I'm throwing uh, my finesse baits, uh, like a drop shot, uh, a, a Cinco, uh, typically I'm throwing 8 to 10 pound uh, fluorocarbon, again, the Invisex. And the one that I haven't really gotten into yet is because I haven't dedicated a rig to it. But when you're throwing top water, I've been, I've been throwing it on fluorocarbon. The downside of that is that fluorocarbon sinks, whereas if you're throwing it on, that, on, that, on mono, you get that that still that invisibility, but that that line stays up top and doesn't affect your action as much. And I've really been toying with the idea of throwing mono on a rod for that. So that's coming soon. Yeah, yeah that's that's mainly what I had on. I had spooled up on those reels the other night. I mean, I I had one that had braid uh, backing, but I had fluorocarbon top shot, and just 
it wasn't cast in this movie because I was getting down in the spool and I just I don't have it full up and you know as well as I do. I mean, you don't have a full reel; it's going to affect the casting and everything. So. Oh yeah. It. But now uh, there's a. I mean, now you got to see it whenever I had it out there. Uh, that new LED light from Yak Gear. That uh. That that was really cool, man. And I I got to use it down on the coast when we went duck hunting, and that thing is that is bright as all get out, dude. I, it lights up like 200 feet out in front of you. I, I'm I'm really looking forward to doing some pre-dawn launches with that thing on and not having to worry about coming up on any surprises because it's going to come in you, handy on the river when we go chasing sand bass. Are you talking about the the, the floodlight that you that you had uh, <laughs> mounted on there that you showed me at the ramp? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that thing put out some light. That uh, I'm, I'm trying to. My first thought when I saw it was, man, it'd be awesome if it had a remote. Because what I like to do is, especially fishing lakes like we were at night, being able to cast at the bank and not get hooked up in trees. I'm sure that happened to you several times. It's just that you lose that depth of field, and so that it'd be cool just to kick it on real quick in your cast and then and make that cast. But I mean. Any situation when you're at night, it's nice to have something that's that bright. Like so, it, it's, it looks like a cool product. Now, I, I was I was kind of tinkering around with an idea because the way I've got it set up is I've got it set up on some uh, Railblazer products that allow it to mount, uh, well, actually to turn and articulate in different directions. Uh, I think it's going to be a really handy floundering light. To be honest with you, yeah. To go down to the yeah. When you, you mentioned that the other night digging. when you said that, I. I that, that, that sounded really good. Uh, tell me this: Does that light hook up to a standard like a 12 volt battery, or is it just you have to put uh, some other kind of battery in there? Yeah, standard 12 volts. I'll always run it off of. Um, I mean, just make sure it's fully charged before you go out. But I mean, you can run it off of that. Uh, I wouldn't run it off of a six volt because you probably wouldn't get as much lifetime out of it, especially if you're going to do a pretty long trip overnight. But uh, I was seeing some of the guys that were doing some mounting solutions with it. And they actually took the the starport, the railblazer starport, and they put it on the side of the boat, and then used a little five-inch extender. And the light comes with a railblazer starport adapter that you just plug the light right into, and it'll shine right down off the side of your boat. So instead of necessarily having light strips on the side, you can just have that port light just beaming right down. And you can have your gig ready to go. That'd be ideal to kind of have even on the side of that flare propeller as you're going through the, you know, fairly uh, shallow water, 18, 20 inches of water, and just gigging. You can go on the move. Absolutely. But absolutely. Yeah, and I, I also had the, I also had a nice little light that was uh, Bill Bragman from Yak Gear. Uh, we don't need to check out. It's the, it's like a little Lumina LED light that it attaches by little magnet discs. And uh, it was, what was pretty cool about that is you could actually take the puck itself, the LED, and you could slap it inside the bed of your truck and give yourself light in the truck bed without having to have, again, strip lighting or, say, a, a cab light going down in the bed of your truck. That was a pretty cool little feature. And uh, you can use it as a nice little accent cockpit light, too. It doesn't put off a superb amount of light, so it doesn't blind you. But it's got another mode, too, that when you click it on, it goes over to an orange LED. And you can even use it like a vehicle distress beacon, too. So if you're in trouble, it was kind of cool to do it that way. Yeah, I noticed that. And I've kind of seen that one pop up on uh, on Facebook. Some people have been posting that light up. And it looks really cool for a cockpit light. Rather, It looks like it would fit in a lot of cup holders real nice. But if you didn't want to go through all the wiring and stuff like that of, of doing kind of those, you know, the stripped cockpit lights, that would be a, a real simple uh, way to do that, and it, it looks pretty slick too. So, yeah, it's it's ideal for sure. Uh, it's gonna be all that, all these lighting solutions that are coming out. I I really dig it a lot. I mean, you know, you you've got the guys that are already on the market. You've got the supernova lighting, which makes some really high quality stuff. I, I've got the I've got the twenty inch blue LEDs lit on the front of my boat, and when I go paddle down the river, when there's no light, man, the whole river lights up blue. You, you can't miss me. It, that's, oh, yeah. That's the, when we were in Florida, we actually had people coming by and uh, looking at the boat and saying, what is that? You know, I mean, like, you got to check these out, man, supernova lights. You know, I mean, blue light's really good for the, the safety aspect. They make greens, too. So green, uh, green's really good for drawing in the bait if you're going to sit out there and you want to do that style of it. 
Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to taking all the lighting stuff down to the river because uh, I did get a I got a hint the other day that the sand bass are starting to run from Granger up into the San Gabriel. So I'm really thinking long and hard about going this weekend and checking that out. Yeah, no, my my wife's been, uh, you know, I've I've been just living, breathing bass fishing for the last few years, and my wife's mad because I don't keep any fish to eat, and and uh, she's been really bugging me to go catch some crappie, and and those green lights would be really really nice for bringing the bait in, bringing the crappie in, and and uh, and loading up the boat with some slabs, but uh, kind of the same deal with the white bass as well. So I mean, that time's coming pretty quick here. Yeah, there's a. I talked to a guy on the Texas Kayak Fisherman. He said that yeah, I'm not going to give away any locations just for the sake of not giving away locations. But sure. he said that they, he said that they are they are present. They're not in huge numbers yet, but they are. Uh, he did find them. You know, you know, standard procedure. You know, you're going to sit there and find them on white curly tail crappie jigs or even some of the. You can probably use small man cranks as long as you fine with losing a lot of lures because of the treble hooks, but, you know, then mm-hmm. prone rattle traps. Yeah, it's it's, it's going to be on here in a little bit. And he said that he got on some good fish, so I'm going to go and paddle upriver. I've never been up the San Gabriel away from Granger, so I'm going to go and check it out for sure. They're supposed to be up there. I know one of my favorite trips I've ever been on, and it's a bit of a clip, and I haven't been out there in a couple of years, so I'm not sure if it's if it's still as strong, but, God, I'd have to imagine it is is uh, going up to, uh, I was telling you the other night, going to the uh, 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 upstream from uh, Lake Buchanan to uh, Colorado Bend State Park. And I know we, we've been up there several times a couple of years ago, and, I mean, we limited out on, I want to say we limited on white bass one trip and caught several crappie, and the next trip we limited out on crappie and caught several white, several white, white bass. So when they get... Up in that uh, in that that river system right there, you know they run up it pretty good, and I don't think we used a minnow the whole time. I think we were using uh, a lot of little white roadrunner jigs and and uh, a little bit of crankbaits, some beetle spins, and just mostly white or chartreuse stuff. And and, and we were smoking them, and man, they eat really really good. And, and the other cool thing about that spot is it's just a real pretty spot to go, you know, outside of fishing. Uh, that state park is real, real nice. There's some waterfalls. There's some spring-fed creeks that make for real nice hiking. It's a, it's a cool spot. Cool, man. Yeah, I have to go check that out, too. Because uh, when we were in college, you know, the the hot spot for where we went for the sand bass was the Angelina River running, you know, north of San Rayburn. And, you know, in that, that part of Texas, those, those white bass get monstrous, man. I mean, the average catch down there for a, a white bass that we were getting into was anywhere from – Oh, I don't know, 16 to 18 inches. That's a big white bass, man. That's so, a fillet. Yeah, it's just an. It was, it was incredible seeing the quality of fish there. And then if you really want to even take the next jump, and where almost every fish is like 18 inches, you go over to the Sabine River just to the east. But yeah, I mean, we used to go down and just fish from the bank, and we would just waylay on those things. I didn't have my kayak uh, early in college, so I mean, it would have made a huge difference. But I'm oh, looking yeah, it forward helped. to going and check them. Yeah. Uh, it's it's going to be nice. I'll I'll go. Up. I just what I like about the San Gabriel. There's not a lot. There's not a lot of heavy current. At the Angelina, it was heavy current. Even when you were standing on the bank, there was a chance of you to fall in. So I got a I got a sporting chance now. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, it's it's nice because 25 of them you can keep. So is that the limit? Fish, fish tacos for a year, man. That's a whole lot of filet, and you better have an electric knife. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's a good workout. I've never I, oh, yeah. a good practice filleting left-handed. But, yeah, I've never been a strong fish filleter just because I haven't filleted very many early on because I didn't catch very many, and then now just because I typically catch and release on the bass. But if I get into some crappie or some white bass or if I get into some trout, redfish, flounder down at the coast, I'll whip the filet knife out pretty quick. Yeah, I've, I'm all about it, man. And you know, there. What's cool about sand bass fishing, though, is like when you catch one, and you and you're say you're in a bend, and you're or you're in an eddy, you're going to target those areas like that because those fish will. Right now, they're spawning, or they're getting ready to spawn, and they're running up these rivers, and these eddies give them a current break where they can just kind of get out of the current real fast, catch a 
catch a nice little break, and they'll actually spawn in those areas there, and then, or they'll continue their journey up to wherever they're going to spawn. So when you find a little eddy and you throw that jig in there or you throw that rattle trap or crank and you catch one, don't just start casting in another spot. <laughs> Cast back right in that eddy because in college we would find one hole that literally I would never move and you would catch at least 50, 60 fish in one hole because they're just continuously funneling in that area. Interesting. So, I'll give that a try. Yeah, it, it always produced well for us. I mean, the bigger the eddy, the better. I mean, it, that's just what we always ran into in East Texas. So, I, the San, like I said, the San Gabriel doesn't have a lot of current in it right now, but it does have enough to where you will find some current breaks, and that's that's what you want to target. It's the only bad thing is, is there's so much debris in the river. You got to bring a ton of extra lures. That sounds like good advice. I mean, growing up, we used to crappie fish out on Decker Lake, but we were doing it from a boat, so we're fishing, you know, points and 30 foot of water with on top of trees, and we're throwing green lights in the water. It's just a different kind of fishing. And you know, I've tried to river fish a couple of times for white bass or crappie, and I mean, obviously we had luck at Colorado Bend, but the one time I tried the San Gabriel, we didn't have a whole lot of luck. And and river fishing in general, uh, for me since uh, since I've had a kayak, it's it's taken some getting used to because it's definitely different than than fishing a lake or or something like that. You target different areas. Though I like those well, eddies. Yeah, that's that's it's always a solid fishing area, man. No matter what what area you are. Well, looks like we got our guest calling in now. Uh, just uh, go ahead and rehash it. Uh, this is Dean Thomas from Slow Ride Guide Service. He's one of the original Wilderness, wilderness Systems Pro Staffers. So uh, let's go ahead and bring him in. Good evening, guys. How y'all doing? Doing good, Dean. How's it going? Man, it's all great. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, no, thanks for taking time to come by, man. So how things been going oh. down there? It's not cold. Man, it's just winter time, uh, and it has been cold. The water's cold. I mean, we were out this afternoon fishing, and uh, it's just cold, man. Um, no matter how you go about it, in between the fronts, right after them, uh, water temperatures in the 50s, and that's just cold for us. <laughs> I feel you, man. It's we're a little colder, but it's got to be unnormal for you guys. I, I I used to live in Corpus for a couple of years, and I don't remember it being as cold as it's been this year. Oh, man, it's been miserable. We've been stuck in the house for a whole bunch of days. Um, the days that we can get out has been some decent fishing. Um, we've seen a lot of fish that are tough to catch. They're just really slow. They're kind of uh, not in a real feisty mood right now. Uh, but, you know, that's pretty typical when it gets as cold as it has been. And this has been an abnormally cold winter. Um, I've been guiding full-time for about 15 years, and I believe this is the longest, coldest, um, consistently cold that we've had since I've been guiding full-time. Now, yeah. Dean, is this, uh, have you guys been producing, I've always heard, big trout? Uh, get caught uh, a lot more frequently when the weather does cool down? Is that something that you've seen happen? Yeah, we had, in the last three weeks, it's been really tough for me. Um, not a lot of big fish caught. Before that, uh, 1st of January, around uh, Christmas to New Year's, man, we were catching some really nice trout. Um, but the cold spells have been coming so consistently that um, – the conditions to get out and make a real good effort have been tough. I'm sure the fish are there. In the wintertime, the tide goes low. You know where the fish are going to be. Getting them to bite is the challenge. Um, a couple weeks ago, the tide was super low and the water temperatures were cold. That's a great combination. Today, the last couple days, with the low pressure, the tide is way up above normal, so the grass is all flooded but that water is freezing cold. So those fish really aren't up in the shallows, but it just gives you so much more area to search, and they're not that easy to see because they're not moving that fast anyway. So kind of the triple whammy. Um, it's been a tough week. <laughs> that sounds like it, man. I, it's, winter's fishing has always been tough for me. I mean, the, so 
cold weather, I mean, you guys typically have clear water down there anyways. I mean, so does the clear water on top of the cold make it just that much more challenging? It's just, it, it's similar. We fish in the same areas in the wintertime, but you just move off of the flats, edges of the channels, the drop-offs, grass beds that are about four to six feet deep is just where they're going to be. I mean, they really don't have any other place to go when the tide drops off of those flats. Um, and we've seen schools of reds, you know, cruising along those drop-offs. And at this time of year, the reason we catch more trout, especially in the kayak, is just because reds and trout are intermingled at this time of year. Normally, we're in the ultra-shallows, chasing reds, sight-casting specifically for reds, because that's just where they're going to be. Um, at this time of year, just because we're fishing a lot more deeper water, fishing really slow, hitting the bottom at about six feet, it's just reds and trout are in those same places at this time of year. So it's like a 50-50 chance on a trout or a red. But finding them is not, is, uh, not the trick. Getting them to bite is the challenge. Now, Dean, do you find that, uh, like, I'm, again, I'm coming from more of a bass fishing background. I know when it gets cold outside, we've got to really, really slow things down sometimes or maybe use a different size bait. Sometimes, some conditions it may be smaller bait, sometimes maybe bigger bait. Do uh, you find the same kind of thing happening uh, in saltwater? Yeah, um, I get to compare notes with people who fish all over the country. Um, and whether it is trout fishing in Montana or bass fishing in Lake Conroe or on the coast, um, the fish are acclimated to their climate. So behind cold fronts, if the water temperature is 40 degrees and you get a cold front in the mountains, those fish react the same way. They, begin, they get really slow. The trout and the reds that we're fishing for now, if your lure is not bumping the bottom, you're just not going to get a bite. Um, afternoons, when it warms up in some of the shallows, you can still get fish to look at the top water, but the most consistent action is going to be a soft plastic touching the grass. Um, and they just get slow. I mean, there's cold-blooded creatures when the water gets cold. I mean, they physically cannot move. I mean, they just become very lethargic. So you'll get a lot of fish that you can throw at, but they're just really not going to eat anything. You throw at 100, and you know that 101st fish is the one that picks it up. Well, I hope that's the big one. (laughs) Right. So... You, uh, I see on your Facebook page you're, uh, you're fishing a lot with those stoker lures. Is, is that something that's working pretty effectively for you in the wintertime? Absolutely. And it's still, I mean, it's the same lures that I fish with in the summer. Um, I just go with a weighted version and really slow it down. You know, it's just, it's the same lure. Um, people get crazy on lure selection. I mean, and I was listening to you guys earlier in the show with bass fishing, um, changing depths and colors. There's more of a challenge to changing lures for bass fishing than there is in saltwater. Um, I know you'll get 10 people to argue that fact with me, but I'm not a big fan of changing <laughs> lures. I fish with the same lures and the same colors. I mean, it really is a very simple selection, but... It's more about how you present that lure to them is the trick of getting them to bite it. Uh, Rarely are you going to change a lure and throw at the same fish and get a different reaction. Um, If you can make it look like something that they are going to eat, and which, you know, the fish out there, they eat shrimp, minnows, and crabs. And if it looks like one of those things, you're going to get a reaction out of them. The thing I kind of when I when I think about saltwater fishing and, and, and the baits and I kind of I think about shrimp a lot and, and now the shrimp I mean they they change color kind of like a crawfish does depending on kind of stage of life don't they? Well, you have different species of shrimp that are different colors. You got brown shrimp, okay. white shrimp, and there's different species that hatch out at different times of the year. Also, right now there's like no shrimp in the bay. I mean, you can't even go to the bait house and get shrimp. There just aren't any shrimp. Um, pretty soon, the little brown hoppers are the first ones that start hopping out. Um, so if you can have a lure, you know, something smaller that's going to match that, 
Um, but a shrimp is a shrimp to me. I mean, the shrimp really do come in a lot of variety of sizes. The stoker shrimp tail that we throw, it's just a nice medium size. It pretty much represents what those fish see out there every day. I, I like those looks of those lures, man. They, they've got a really – it looks like the shank of that hook is really, really long. Or is it on like a – is it like on a, a hinge or something like that? Um, yeah, and, and it's all unique. Um, Henry Stokes put years of uh, trial and uh, research and development into that hook. And the, 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 the design that makes the hook lay up against the body, that makes it weedless, um, took a lot of practice. The hook is it's unique. He has a little jig. He sets it on there. He bends it specifically to get into that shape. It has a little split ring that connects the hook to a wire. And the wire that goes through the body is unique also. has a little bend, anchors it on there, can add weights to it in the process where the, everything is built into the lure. So, yeah, it's a really cool process. The whole idea was to make it weedless, to make it slide through the grass. And, you know, the shrimp, it's a smaller version. I fish with it uh, most of the time. It's my personal favorite, especially for the winter, much smaller baits. Um, the stoker twitch tail is, uh, is another one that was just deadly effective for us throughout the year and we've been fishing with those now it's probably going about two years since the perfected product has been out there and we were doing trial and error you know for probably two years before that so yeah it's an awesome product awesome lure really cool that um it was conceived here in texas designed and it is made in san antonio to this day that's always where nice. can someone fi- where can someone find some? Um, I sell them out of my shop, mail order. Um, you can check us out Facebook, see all the colors. Call me. We ship them out the same day. Fantastic. I had I one more question there's, there's for you, Dean. Um, sure. You know, uh, the, the majority of my experience at the coast has been fishing out of a out of a little scooter boat, and and I have to assume that when you switch from from powerboat fishing to kayak fishing, you, you fish that, that salt water a bit differently. Um, so as somebody who's trying to get into it from a kayak standpoint, coming from fishing it out of a powerboat, is it, what, what should I be thinking about? Man, it's um, what you'll do is you'll end up fishing in a kayak where you always wanted to take your skiff is what it <laughs> is. Um, for... Um, Forever, when I fished on a skiff, um, we were always trying to push that boat into the shallowest areas, um, always striving for sight casting and seeing fish. So you're always trying to push it in the shallow water and get somewhere. And then it's noisy, and it's just really tall, and it does scare a lot of fish. You just get the up-close um, personal experience in a kayak. And there's a lot of places that aren't as blessed as we are here around Aransas Pass. I mean, we have some incredible water where you can just park on the side of the road and usually fish within sight of the vehicle in world-class fishing. I mean, beautiful water. Um, Other areas up and down the coast aren't as inviting to the kayak angler where you have to uh, park and paddle long distances. So a big trick to being successful when you're talking about paddling is where you launch, choosing your area, having all those ingredients within paddle range. You have to work within the limitations of the kayak, you know, and you still want to have that big hero fish, but it is a very challenging prospect. The kayak fishing, definitely more rewarding, but there's more planning. There is a lot more um, preparation to be successful in a kayak. There's no eject button. There's no key on that thing where you just get a big brain fart, and it's like, hey, man, I'm over here. Let's go hit the backside of St. Joe. It's just not an option. So you got to work within no. those limitations. No, absolutely, man. Uh, that, that's one of the first things I've always seen guys always get in trouble is they, they push themselves so hard. 
because they always hear about everybody, you know, good fishing, you know, is a long paddle away. And these guys will get out there and they'll overexert themselves or they won't plan properly. And the next thing you know, they're, they're fighting a 25-mile-hour headwind coming back in, and they've never done it before. So it's, yeah. it's I, I completely agree with you. It's, you need to know the limitations of your boat. You also need to know the limitations of yourself. If you haven't done it before, man, you know, just go out and play for a while before you even start fishing. Yeah. And so, I mean, I guess as a follow-up to that, I, you bet. Uh, so what, what kind of distances do you typically find yourself paddling as to get to a spot? Man, whenever, um, like on my own, whenever I'm just kind of in adventure mode and want to go out, you know, and paddle with me and my buddies, we usually push the limits a little bit. And, you know, it's not uncommon for us to go, you know, four or five miles in one direction. But generally on a guided fishing trip, you know, we're not pushing the limits of people's ability like that. We try to get on fish in the shortest distance possible. And usually, I mean, on, say, you know, a five- or a six-hour kayak fishing trip, you're going to cover, you know, about six miles easy um, and, you know, maybe eight at the max. Okay. And, and, you know, that's you got to choose your path carefully, you know, depending on the conditions. Um, if it's windy, you know, you might get six or 800 yards instead of <laughs> six or eight miles. So the conditions really do um, dictate how much you can explore. And we battle the wind down here in our part of the coast. It's windy every day. The wind is the enemy. Um, so that really does play into planning your trip. I can't. I can't even count how many times I've gone to the Corpus area and had a fishing trip ruined by wind. It, especially for the, the wind is tough here, man. I talk to a lot of guys from around the country. Nobody experiences the wind that we do here. Um, I've talked to guys in Florida, and they tell me they're like, "If I had to fish in that wind, you guys do it." As I would have jumped off the roof years ago. Um, <laughs> You just have to deal with it. It is really part of the game down here. Um, it can be aggravating. Well, you know, coming, you know, speaking of new people getting into the sport and you know just kind of knowing limitations and all that stuff. Now, you offer uh, the kayak fishing school, and which is, if I'm not mistaken, it's the, probably the only one in the state of Texas. I'm, if, am I correct? Yeah, yeah. There, I don't know of anybody else who. Um, who has put together the program like I have. And it's really interesting story how it came together. My buddy, Dr. Bill Harvey, who's now retired from Texas Parks and Wildlife, was doing um, seminars um, in, like, banquet rooms and, like, indoors. And I went to some of his seminars and was just really um, uh, uh, inspired by the science that he put into the program. Really interesting. So became friends with him over the years, got the idea to put a program together where he talks about all the science of the bay, and then we actually take people out fishing. My opinion was we got the most perfect classroom right outside the door. Why are we sitting in this room talking about fishing? So we put that together. It evolved into the kayak fishing school, have been doing that for several years now. Um, it has evolved into a program that covers safety, paddling techniques, um, as well as the science from my buddy, Dr. Bill, characteristics of water, fish biology, tackle selection, um, just about everything you would need to know to shorten the learning curve if you want to get into kayak fishing and take it as a serious hobby. Very cool, man. Yeah, I, I was – I saw – now – if I'm not mistaken, did I see that you are going to be having a class in Freeport coming up? Yes, I did. Actually, just came out with that today. Have been planning it for the last few weeks. Um, met a guy at the Pack, the Paddling Anglers in Canoes and Kayaks Club out of Houston. Um, one of the guys there was interested in me, wanted to bring me, me to bring the class to that area. Um, we kind of discussed logistics. Um, he offered to let us use his house. He's got a big room where we can do the presentation, the classroom part, and it is centrally located between two of the best launches, kayak launches, in the Freeport area, which is down the road from Ernie's and down the road from uh, the pass. 
So we should have a great place to do the class. Yeah, announced it today. Already have three people signed up, so there's uh, seven spots available. We keep it to ten people. We keep the class kind of small, so everybody gets that good personal treatment. Cool, man. Use a freshwater version of that. <laughs> Maybe someday, man. Yeah, somebody should do it. I mean, really, um, there is a need for that stuff. People are coming to the sport every day. I mean, I've been doing this for many years now. We have people that repeatedly come back, but every year there's new people that are coming to kayak fishing. I mean, they sit in the doctor's office. They pick up a magazine. It's everywhere they look. It's like, I want to try that. Um, so there is definitely a need for education, it is an inherently uh, dangerous sport. There's a lot of ways to hurt yourself out there. So a little bit of training goes a long way, no matter where you get it. Absolutely. We do um, intro to paddling classes. We have uh, paddling instructors. Um, Ryan Ford, who works for me, um, he's a paddling instructor, does all the ACA stuff. So, yeah, we have tons of opportunity, you know, to get out there and get some experience before you go out and uh, kill yourself. <laughs> or hurt yourself seriously. <laughs> right. I, I like that sound better. Uh, well, you know, if, if if there's a, how can anybody get out there and find the information that they need to, you know, sign up for your class or even potentially, you know, come down to Port Aransas and sign up and uh, book a trip with you? Yeah. Um, the website slowrideguide.com. Um, I have a brand-new website, all updated, cool videos, lots of information. And the phone number is the most important one on there. Um, you can call me. I'm very accessible. Um, be happy to answer all the questions, help you plan your trip. Um, lots of accommodations down here around Aransas Pass. Um, from where my shop is, it's less than five-minute drive to the water, um, it's just a great opportunity. So if anybody wants to plan their trip, I know um, right now the calendar is wide open, but as soon as we get to, like, spring break, everybody starts planning for the summer, and it really does fill up quick. Do so you mind dropping the phone number for everybody? 361-758-0463. Call me anytime if I don't pick up. Leave a message. I get back ASAP. All right. Now, i got to ask you, man. I know you're not an offshore guy, but Wilderness Systems has been showing off that new kayak that's been coming out. Yep. You got you got any thoughts on that boat? I, it, is a, it is a unique concept that looks like it's completely away from the norm that Wilderness usually goes with from all the experience I've got with their boats. It's just it's out there. It's pretty cool. It is. It is. It's a totally different concept from what you're used to seeing. But we have an incredible team. We have um, anglers all across the country that contribute their ideas to designing new boats. Um, the ideas for this one um, came from the East Coast and the West Coast, totally influenced by guys who fish offshore want to fish offshore and that's all they want to do um so storing rods getting big rods in and out of the hatch bait wells um that those features are critical to those guys completely irrelevant to fishing the flats so a boat that's specific to their needs um had to be built um, really cool that the way they took the influence from the guys who wanted it and not my cup of tea, definitely not <laughs> something I'm going to paddle on the flats, but if the day comes that I'm headed for the rigs, you know, that's an option. I've kind of outgrown my um, my stunt doing days. I'm a little bit past that prime but there are guys that'll paddle i mean they aim for 10 miles offshore um and boats that ride the waves stow a lot of gear you know absolutely important to those guys so yeah really cool just hit the airwaves there'll be a lot of feedback as time goes on yeah it's pretty interesting stuff i was i've, I've been watching the videos that have been coming out and you know they 
I did notice one thing on this new press release that that big front hatch on the nose of the boat, they flattened it down quite a bit from the, the one that was fairly tall. But I, then today they showed off the new scupper transducer that looks like it will house pretty much any scu- or any transducer size right. on the market. And then they've got yeah. the, center, the center hatch. It almost looks like they're like a storage well or potentially, like you said, a bait container or something like that. That's, that's kind of interesting there as well. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's just a sign of how many people are out there doing their thing in kayaks. Um, it's really cool that the manufacturers respond with what the people want. And, you know, um, there's no one perfect boat out there for anybody. You know, my, my suggestion is, you know, have six of them um, and be happy. Yeah, for sure, man. One for every day of the week. Um, but yeah, it just—it really is. It's specific to what those guys do. I mean, um, guys around um, Virginia Beach, um, they fish offshore stripers. Um, I mean, they battle some crazy big game action, and you know, <laughs> I wish them all the luck in the world. <laughs> right. I'm glad they got the vote they want. Right. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, it's an awesome boat. I, 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 I'm looking forward to paddling it, for sure. Yeah. But, well, Dean, yeah, I, yeah. I, I really want right. to thank you, man. I really want to thank you for coming on tonight and taking some time to uh, talk some kayak fishing. Definitely have to have you back on during the summer or something like that, kind of, you know, see how the fishing is going on down there, because I, I want to come down and fish with you and George for, for real this summer. Oh, man, dude, it is a pleasure coming on the show. And if you ever get close to my neighborhood, man, don't let me find out you came by and didn't, uh, and didn't let us know because uh, we, um, we're very approachable people. <laughs> yeah, I have to come by and take out, check out that, uh, that what's that, that world-famous Wackerita machine or whatever? Yeah, man, the, uh, the old Wackerita machine is kind of in mothballs right now. It's seen better days. Um <laughs> It, it hadn't really thrown a rod yet, but it's pretty close. Um, but it had a great history. It was fun when it lasted. Um, cool, But man. if you do make it to the neighborhood, man, it would be awesome. You know, love to get you out there. Um, be happy to come back later in the summer be on the show, too, man. Um, it's really cool. Glad to see you're out there doing your thing. I mean, you had some great guests the last couple of weeks. And, uh, man, I look forward to keeping up with you. Well, appreciate I appreciate the info, too, Dean. It's, uh, hopefully I'll be a little more prepared when I go down there. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to it, man. We got everything you need when you get here. Cool, man. Well, I really, again, appreciate it, and uh, we'll, we'll catch up with you soon. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, man. We'll see you next time. All right, Dean. Appreciate it. Bye. All right, cool. Well, just again, everybody, that was, uh, that was Dean Thomas from Slow Ride and Guide Service down in the Port Aransas area. Uh, you can check out his website, www.slowrideguide.com, or you can give him a call at 361-758-0463. Book yourself a trip and uh, go have some fun down there with those boys because they'll put you on some fish, that's for sure. So, Brian, it's amazing how much info we had once I uh, shut my mouth and let him talk. Hey man, you had you, you had it going well. I you gotta say, for an impromptu co-host, I couldn't have chose better. <laughs> well, good, good. I'm glad but, you're happy with it. Yeah. Well, so it looks like potentially next week I'm gonna try to get Dustin Kareba on the show, talk a little bit about the Lone Star Kayak series that he's working on, getting kicked off. I think this is his either third or fourth season. Uh, it's a it's a tournament series in the Galveston, Freeport, you know, just Texas coast area. Uh, it's a predominantly it's just it's only redfish, but they've got a really good following, and his his clan of fishermen has been growing, and they've been getting some really good uh, some really good turnouts at their tournaments. If I'm not mistaken, they even had a tournament last year clip the 70 angler mark. So gaining in popularity, he's got some really good. Uh, some really good sponsors that have joined in on it. If I'm not mistaken, Castaway is the lead sponsor this year. So really good prizes right there. I mean, just starting off with some really quality rods. And, hey, and he's even got some uh, whiskey distributor. That in itself, I would go for. <laughs> Absolutely. 
I mean, I may not make it off the launch, but I'm. No, you save that. You save that for when you get back. Ah, okay. Well, touche. All right. <laughs> well, well, thanks again for coming on, Ryan. Uh, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Uh, we'll have definitely have to blast. do it again. We'll we'll bring you in when Andrew gets on, and we'll definitely get some more fishing reports. Cause I know uh, I know you hit up a lot of the local area lakes frequently, and hopefully I can I can join on another one. So. Well, everybody, oh, yeah, I'll let you know. Joining in. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for joining in, everybody. It's been another fun Tuesday. I am Jaron Wassel, joined with Ryan McDermott on Yak Fishing Texas. You can catch us on Tuesdays, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Go ahead and log in next week, and we'll see everybody then. Until then, time Thanks, guys. <laughs>